I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to another episode of Everyone is Hot, the podcast that talks about your favorite stealth sex symbols and the film or TV show that turned you on to them. I'm Michael Stevens. And I'm Shelley Brooks. And Michael, we have a very exciting return guest today, do we not? We have a super cool guest, double threat producer and co-founder of Forever Dog Podcast, Brett Baum, everyone. Hey! So glad to be back with you. This is so And the exciting. kids are happy to have you back, Brett. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you, kids. Uh, it's been too long, children. <laughs> Now, Brett, uh, we did things a little bit differently uh, for this episode. Normally, we have our guest choose a crush to bring to us and choose a movie that we're going to talk about. This time, I had someone that I had been itching to talk about and a movie that I really wanted to focus on. And I thought that you would be the perfect person to discuss it with. Would you like to tell us who today's stealth sex symbol is and which movie we're going to talk about? Absolutely. Today's ste- uh, stealth sex symbol is the one and only Stacy Keach. Ooh. And we are going to be talking about uh, John Houston's Fat City from 1972? 1972. Yes, uh, so I am I am thrilled that you that you reached out to me about this. It was like telekinesis. You know, <laughs> it was like a, a, a unspoken crush uh, across the country. Um, and as soon as I heard, I was like, oh yeah, he is, he is hot. And that movie is great. Let's do this. It is. I'm imagining the telephone wire. This is by email, not by telephone, but the telephone wire, like buzzing, buzzing, (laughs) buzzing across from New York to LA. The telegram (laughs) station was just like going nuts. It was just telegram machines exploding (laughs) at the corner store. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, no, I have been wanting to do this one for a very long time. And it seemed like a good opportunity because it seems like Fat City has been getting a bit of a resurgence due to being on the Criterion channel. Um, yes. I, in fact, right before I got on, I saw a tweet about Fat City that I will not uh, quote the tweet right now because it does give away um, these almost like M. Night Shyamalan-esque uh, <laughs> ending surprise that I'm sure we will discuss uh, later on <laughs> that is uh, quite shocking. Um, it, it is not due to the plot. It is due to my being 31 years old. Um, but... Oh, yes, yes, it is. It's okay. I, I, yeah, it's, I screamed when uh, I found the big twist. Um... <laughs> but we will get to that soon. Uh, in the meantime... Michael, if someone has not seen John Huston's Fat City, could you tell them what the movie is about? Ah, absolutely. So on the down and out margins of Stockton, California, washed up alcoholic boxer Billy Tully finds himself in limbo between retirement and his youthful prime. Sparring with budding 18-year-old fighter Ernie inspires Tully to get back into the ring. But as the young man's career ascends, Tully finds himself battling against his inner demons and his quest to make a comeback. Mm. The listener might note that this is a slightly superior synopsis uh, to our That was pretty movie. damn good. That's from the Criterion channel, not from IMDb. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was written by a professional, unlike many of the synopses that we use on this show. It's like, so, what's... <laughs> A round of applause for Criterion, you guys. It is. <laughs> um, well, before we get into the main discussion, you know that we like to get a little slick, a little warm, and we like to do that with the sexy trivia game. Michael, what is the sexy trivia game? Oh well, the sexy trivia game is. Just a moment in time to get the listeners real slick for some movie chatting with some movie trivia. And I'll get us started. Reportedly, after show the showing of this movie, champion boxer Muhammad Ali apparently said to the film's director, John Huston, Houston? Huston? Houston? Houston, Houston. Man, that's for real. That's me talking up there. Oof. Now yes, I called is... it when I saw it. That was a really good Muhammad Ali impression. Great young man. Great. Excellent young man. Excellent. Now, Brett, would you like to give us number B? Oh, I'd love to. John Houston initially wanted Marlon Brando to play the role of Tully. When Brando informed Houston repeatedly that he needed some more time to think about it, Houston finally came to the conclusion that the star wasn't really interested and looked out for another actor until he finally cast the then relatively unknown Stacy Keach. Ooh. Ooh, Stacy, we're so glad he found you. Now to finish us off, here's number C. According to Stacy Keach, Sixto Rodriguez knocked him out during their fight scene. And that shot appears in the film. And that's the sexy trivia game. I always wonder what the sort of like, uh, like algebra 
that goes into figuring out if you really put in the shot of someone getting fucked up on your movie set. <laughs> like, it's inevitably going to look better than the fake ones. <laughs> yeah, I was always shocked that they kept that original footage in the Twilight Zone movie. And um... <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's like, well, the crow geez, was guys. really bold for using. <laughs> I suppose the, the answer is if the actor doesn't die, it's fair game. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Though that said, I was actually, because you know the sort of uh, rabbit holes you go down uh, when you're supposed to be at work. Um, I was reading about stunt performers who got injured during the filming of movies. And there was some recent movie, I can't remember which one it was, where the stunt performer did die and they did use that shot in the movie. No in fucking the way. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so... You know, oh my God. it's all for art. <laughs> uh, well, so uh, on a lighter note, uh, to go <laughs> to go from death to this bleak, bleak movie, um, you said it was a bit of a kismet that we reached out to you about talking about this movie. So, Brett, what's your background with Fat City? You know, I was trying. I was trying to retrace this. I think. Um... I, I probably saw it for the first time, like, you know, in college when I was like kind of, you know, f finding good movies and kind of just like devouring them as quickly as I could. And I think um, I think I, I found out about this movie because it's 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 featured in um, that documentary Visions of Light, the mm. like the cinematography documentary. There's a lot yeah. of focus on uh, is it Gordon Willis's um, yeah. like like all of the like. Uh, it's kind of like the key example of like low light cinematography in this right. documentary. And I remember all the shots they were showing of like the second time that Stacy Keach comes in the bar and it's like yeah. so dark inside and it's only like backlit from the windows. And the, and they were talking about how this sort of broke all the rules of cinematography at the time. And I was just, you know, it's one of those documentaries where you're just like writing down every movie right. as they're discuss as they're mentioning it. Um, but that one's really stuck out. And so I, I went and, um, uh, watched it and I didn't know John Houston had directed it so that was like kind of another you know uh, thing that drew me to it um, mm. and yeah I just I just loved it I mean I love I love I mean you know in general any movie that that is that kind of gets outside the major cities and the coasts and the bubbles is always of, yeah. of interest to me and um, and and so this one I think yeah immediately was drawn to and then was yeah I was so excited to to, to revisit it now like you know you know um uh, recently because I uh, loved it all the more. I think it's just a fantastic movie and Stacey Keach and really everybody top to bottom is just amazing in this movie. Yeah. And it's interesting you talking about getting out of the, the sort of like LA New York bubbles. Like I, you know, I don't know very much about the West coast. I haven't really spent time out there, but so it is so fascinating to see a part of California. That's not just the LA that you see over and over and over again in movies to see, I mean, Stockton, like I know so little about, I mean, it, but, you know, my only connection to these kinds of California stories are, you know, reading like, um, oh my God, why am I blanking on the name of Mice and Men? Like Steinbeck. Steinbeck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's my only real connection to this kind of California story. And like, it, it's nice to see, I think it, part and parcel with seeing these locales that aren't the typical Hollywood locales is that is populated by actors who aren't your typical Hollywood actors. Like everyone has such a unique look i mean first and foremost stacy keach um I, that's i mean what a sort of like magnificent looking man like the receding hairline the you know the hair lip the mm -hmm. he's mm -hmm. got that like 
fit body, but it's not like um, an aesthetically fit body. It's a fit body from like work. It's yeah, it's really exciting to see him see his face on screen. Yeah, it's interesting to hear about the Marlon Brando connection, that Brando was yeah. the original, because Stacey Cage really does feel, there's there's things about him physically that feel Brando-esque, like the body type mm. and things, um, but it, it's such a, I think to me he is such a better fit for the world of this movie than Marlon Brando, yeah. so it's kind of like a, I don't know, it's almost like if Marlon Brando was like a real person, what he would yeah. look like or something, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, it's it like, it, like if Marlon Brando was this character, he would be Stacy Keach. And so I think, uh, yeah, to me, the casting is, I think they lucked out there. I think it was, you get a, um, and, and even though like Stacy Keach, I I was, I was kind of surprised if I was looking into, I didn't really know much about his background. I was, it's, I was kind of surprised to find that he's like, I mean, he is like an actor with a capital A. I mean, Shakespearean drama drama school. I was like, like, you could have fooled me. I, I, you could have, I thought it was maybe like a Harrison Ford situation where this, he was like somebody's carpenter and they just like put, put him in the movie. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, but he's there's there's a method there um, yeah. you know, as sort of minimalist as, and natural as the performance is. There's definitely a method uh, going on behind yep. the scenes there. The Brando thing is fascinating because I don't know. I have to assume that Houston meant to shoot it maybe a few years earlier because 72 is also the year The Godfather came out. And like, obviously, they aged Brando up for that. But as I, I alluded to um, the scare line that comes at the end of the movie, which is that Stacy Keach's character says that he is 29. <laughs> and, uh, if you have not watched this movie, listener, this will, I'm, I'm sorry that I spoiled it for you because it is honestly one of the most it, It's a spoiler. Lines. It is a big spoiler. <laughs> That's, yeah. a rough, that's a rough 29 with all due respect yeah. to the to the gorgeous Stacey Keach that is a rough 29 yeah and so that even for you know Brando as beautiful as he was that would have been a real stretch in 72 to 29 year old Brando but yeah but I mean I think that that is the thing it's like even though he does have this sort of very actory with a capital A pedigree I, I think that the look is something that helps him feel more real because he doesn't he doesn't seem quaffed he doesn't seem like perfected he looks like he's lived a life in a a rough one (laughs) yeah and so michael this was your first time seeing the movie right oh my god uh yeah uh so i saw this with uh very little uh context outside of um sometimes my grandma would say like things like i was like oh we're going to fat city and you know that's a phrase um it's like oh you know we're going to the good place. Things are going to get good. Um, and so I went in with that being my only context and uh, pleasantly surprised that this is my favorite kind of movie, a movie about uh, broken people in a broken place with broken dreams. Um, I talk a lot about how much I love the Rocky movies, but like watching this was so uh, grounding <laughs> Um just when it comes to that whole genre um boxing movies and then sports movies which usually you know are there to make you feel good but uh this one yeah this feels scored the goal at the end yeah. of this one. <laughs> yeah this feels like mate like kind of the raging bull lineage like we're getting yes. closer to raging bull here with like the way boxing is depicted as just like just empty violence kind of like, like that, that like when we finally see Stacey Keach in his big boxing match, um, Mm. which he like, you know, spoiler alert, kind of like 
yeah. insanely wins. Like, yeah. it's like no, I love it. I lo- it's like the emptiest win, emptiest yeah. victory you've ever witnessed in a sports movie. Yeah. Where he yeah. he's confused. He thought he got knocked out. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of one of the best scenes I've ever seen in a sports movie because like yeah. he wins the 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 loser who was like i guess favored just packs up and and like that that shot of him like coming into town and leaving town is such a brilliant move i think yeah and just like that he's just like just his job he's just there yeah. for the job and then um and there's like no glory either way um mm. uh it's just like yeah so i feel like you know the way his shot we're getting um i, I you know i have to imagine yes yeah, scorsese watched this for raging bull because it feels like that kind of that yeah. kind of boxing yeah. violence well, not the sort of yeah funny for people who are not sports people like myself and Michael we've ended up talking about boxing movies a lot on this podcast (laughs) so I definitely like as I was watching this again for this podcast was thinking about that like boxing lineage because for example in a a recent episode we talked to Holly Roshan and she talked about her love for the movie Golden Boy this definitely has echoes of that a little bit and I we talked in a previous episode about our favorite fight scenes about Rocco and his brothers um, mm, which Scorsese yeah, yeah. has explicitly talked about, you know, referencing for, uh, uh, yeah, I think that it does seem that like a through line in boxing movies that I think really resonates with me as a sports movie is the that aspect of it, that it is just a job. And that oftentimes it's these people in these kind of dire financial straits mm-hmm. that have to get like the shit kicked out of them repeatedly. Yep. Like it like literalizes this process of like what it's like to be broke. That it's like, it's not just like you're, you know, poetically you're getting like the shit kicked out of you by the world you're literally getting like your head bashed in by this guy just to make i mean the the ending of this when he wins that fight is so devastating in part because he gets out of the ring and then finds out he's been like shorted on his money because he's yeah. like yeah. manager yeah. yeah so it's like he can't fucking win like he wins yeah. and he still loses <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's really I mean, presented like boxing is really presented as like just like the military or the fields it's like it's like Mm -hmm. this like this this track that um poor people get on just for like other and they're like sort of promised like the potential for glory and fame and all this stuff Mm -hmm. but it's ultimately just violent entertainment for the rest of the town that that you know um and so yeah it's it's yeah man that 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 uh yeah the way boxing is depicted this movie is so is so interesting and haunting yeah, and then it's like has that parallel with them working in the fields. And it's like mm-hmm. in both of them, their bodies are treated as so disposable. Like yeah, they're yeah. just there to make some money for somebody else, whether it's their manager or like the farm owner. They're going to be like out in the brutal sun or getting like punched in the face. And it's going to have its toll on them. But what does that matter to the guy who's making the money? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oof. It's, yeah, it's uh. rough. And <laughs> Sorry, Michael, what were you going to say? No, no, no. I, 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 this is all taking me back to a conversation I had with my grandfather when I was like, I want to be a boxer. And he was like, <laughs> you do not, <laughs> you cannot want this. Um, <laughs> yeah. When, um, I mean, I wonder about like, I'm sure so many kids, you know, Brett, you and I both grew up in the South and, you know, football hmm. is so big here. I have to wonder what kinds of conversations, the more we learn about the impact of football, like parents are having with their kids who like want to grow up to be a football player. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, I was I was going to say, I think and I, and I wonder if this I couldn't find a whole lot about like Stacey, Stacey Keach's like process for this. But I do wonder mm-hmm. there was a there was like he and knowing he's like this trained actor, I, I started to read everything as like choices and and like mm-hmm. and like really conscious decisions he was making. Um, And so there is 
his there's something stylistically he does where he's constantly seems to be almost losing his train of thought or he's kind of yeah. like like sort yeah. of loopy all the time and mm-hmm. i mean i i initially was reading that as like that he's uh that you know because he drinks so much but then i have to wonder if he's like early stage cte as well <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and kind of like in and, and is sort of and if that was a conscious or just unconscious decision but he really seems like someone who is like you know who is like five ten years away from like serious brain you know uh injury yeah. or trouble yeah yeah th- there is something so interesting like considering the sort of like pedigree that he comes from that he like captures this thing so specifically because i i haven't seen him in that much honestly and prior to seeing fat city what i primarily knew him from was the film adaptation of the heart is a lonely hunter and he plays a very similar character in that he's this like kind of alcoholic drifter who you know just happens to cross paths with um alan arkin's character and you know he's got the same sort of cadence like the line that i always hear him saying is like when he wakes up from his drunken stupor in alan arkin's room and realizes he's deaf and he goes a dummy well i never met a dummy before (laughs) it's like this weird sort of like it's like regional but also kind of he's a little out of it like it almost looks like he's got like cartoon like yeah 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 yeah, yeah, that's exactly (laughs) but yeah so i wonder where that sort of like almost like musicality of his phrasing comes from because it's so sort of specific and does seem to have this kind of like adult quality to it a lot of times Mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, because I, I was reading, he was like born in he was born in Savannah, so he's from mm. he's from Georgia, but then and like to a family of actors. I mean, it's such a it's such a it's like honestly not the backstory I was expecting, but I love it. Um, and and then but then from there, like yeah, yeah like we said, Yale Drama School, Shakespeare. So mm. I think he's like, yeah, I really I would be so curious to hear him talk about like the I mean, because he was doing yeah, because I I mean he was up until uh, I guess Heart is a Lonely Hunter was before. Fat City, yeah, maybe, that was like right? late sixties, yeah, yeah, 60, yeah. But up until then, he's just doing, he's just doing Shakespeare, like you know, like regional mm-hmm. repertory kind of Shakespeare. So I would like, yeah, this transition into film and then specifically these sort of, yeah, like slightly out of it, mm-hmm. um, but with like, but with also kind of, kind of a poetic sensibility. These sort of yeah. characters, these sort of like doomed masculinity characters. Like I would, yeah, I, I would love to hear more about that transition. But it's it's um because he kind of hides, he really hides the Shakespeare pedigree. I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't get yeah. a sense of like of like you know <laughs> John Gilgood stepping in and trying to be like, what does it mean to be in Stockton and uh, to be a boxer? Oh, in to labor in the fields <laughs> with one's hat. <laughs> you, re- I mean, you really don't get that at all, and it's kind of remarkable. Um, because like I said, you could have surprised me. I, I, I he could have been somebody that was like you know mm. found you know locally, and 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 I would believed it but he just really yeah he really gives such a believable naturalistic performance in this i do have a a feeling though that probably he and john houston have this similar thing of the sort of high and low combined in them as as people and as artists because i mean something i you know oftentimes go back and read like the Stacey Keach Wikipedia because it's I find it very amusing um but one of the things in his personal life section is that he was in jail in the UK for a while because he like got caught with cocaine and then he became so Catholic there that he like eventually met the Pope so it's like obviously my man was like living hard right what a 180 oh my god (laughs) yeah and it's like in John Houston I mean you know he is this great artist and you know he clearly has this sort of like high-minded element to him you know he's making adaptations of like the dead um you know later in his career 
but he also was a fucking maniac he was like yeah. a fucking fuck machine he, you know he's having sex with everyone and a raging alcoholic i mean he literally killed someone in uh, like a drunk driving hit and run and he shot another woman through his windshield in a drunk driving accident and you know and he oh himself was an amateur boxer like so I have a feeling there was a sort of kinship there and these men with these, but you know, at the same time, Houston was often described as being like the most poetic man in Hollywood who had this grace about him. So I think that they both have that sort of weird, like twin thing within them of both the poet and the, the dissolute, you know? Yeah, I believe that. I, I always think of Houston in, in Chinatown as like, I was like, that's probably who he was. That's like that. Like that was yes. like, yeah, yeah, that is just a just a maniac with like a poetic sensibility. Um, yeah, it seemed like pretty, pretty good typecasting for him. But um, but mm. I do love this late period of Houston, like you said, with the dead. And then I, you know, and even when it's a little bit off, like he did a, like a version of Wise Blood that I think's hit or miss, but is like yeah. fascinating. Um, mm -hmm. uh, under the volcano, like he oh, did, right. he did like some real wild um, literary adaptations, like in his later career that I think are right. all like worth or worth watching. You know, um, yeah, for better and that's or worse. Finian under the under the volcano, right? I'm sorry. That's Albert Finney. Yeah, Al yeah, Albert Finney. Um, and then. Um, Wise Brad Blood, Bra yes, yeah, Brad Dorf in, in Wise Blood, yeah, yeah, yeah but Finney is interesting to me because he it seems like Houston did tend to like collect these kind of, um, yeah, these sort of tough guys, um, that but also have a sort of grace to them, but are also like hardcore alcoholics and just kind of self destructive, like you know, I think about him and um, the famous stories about him and bogey on the african queen how everyone got like dysentery and they were the only two that were fine because they never drank water they just like drank whiskey the entire time <laughs> they were just drunk the entire time oh so they didn't have a chance to... <laughs> but yes yeah, so i wonder if like yeah stacy keach has that same kind of pull that some of the like the bogarts and the albert finneys maybe had for john houston <laughs> Yeah, I feel like he was having trouble with Brando, like everyone was at this time, and he probably went out and got drinks with Stacey Keach and was like, we'll just use this guy. This, this yeah. works. This works. <laughs> pay him a quarter of what we had to pay Brando. So it, this, right. is all, this, this is great, actually. I mean, what a deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I something that you brought up in our like email exchange is that you also wanted to focus a bit on Susan Tyrell in this movie, who is remarkable. And, unbelievable i mean yeah so tell me a little bit about like is have you seen her in many other things and like what was your first impression when you saw her in this movie i, I need to do a susan tyrell deep dive because i i've yeah. certainly you know was aware of her i know from like you know she's in crybaby you know john waters right. like she's she's like andy warhol adjacent i mean she has such a fascinating like career I, I i i don't have a lot of first-hand experience with with watching her and stuff but now i want to go back and, and watch everything because from the first second she steps into this movie i mean with with all due respect and look and, and props to stacy keach for like for like giving her like mm. you know letting knowing when she is gonna is gonna is like knowing when it's her scene and letting her have the scene uh, yeah because like the first the first time you know she comes in she just like just owns the screen i mean it's unbelievable i mean you can't take your eyes off her mm -hmm. it is such an incredible like you know there's like like it, it's like on this on the page it's just like you know um this like you know sad drunk lady but like she yeah. layers in so much like self-pity and then mad at you for for playing into the self-pity and like don't yeah. you dare pity me and then like and then suddenly she is like kind of like 
happy and celebratory and like it is such like the swings and each each wild swing is believable though and it's like it is just a tornado of like a performance and it is like so it's it's just so compelling and now i want to go watch her and in, in everything she's ever done yeah 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 that ability to swing back and forth between the moods and things is so fascinating because i mean she's so she's so attractive and so you can like understand why he would go home with her because she can be so sexy but it's like then in the next minute she'll be so pathetic and like it'll be like oh god but and i think that having that character is is really interesting for the stacy keach character because before you got on michael and i were talking about the fact that a guy who looks like him like that kind of actor is probably gonna mostly play kind of scumbags and you know assholes and he's you know a fuck up in this movie but he seems to be fundamentally pretty decent yeah and even when she's like at her worst you're like why are you all so mean to me and i didn't (laughs) 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 he's still like he doesn't just like you know kick her to the curb (laughs) though granted he also needs to stay in her apartment so yeah (laughs) (laughs) what did you think michael oh my god that scene at the bar um i guess it's their second scene together it she's like oh my man's in prison or whatever and like girl like I think it it just everything clicked for me. It was like the madness, the red hair, the yellow dress that comes back a lot because you know she's you know probably don't got that many dresses. I don't know. Um, and her damp face uh, for most of the movie. Um, yeah, uh, I thought she was absolutely incredible. Big, uh, like scary clown energy um <laughs> like, yeah, like those little those little um, that are always like hanging loosely they're about to like fall out of her hair there's yeah. like there's like the every every aspect of like the costume and everything is just is just perfect i mean the, yeah. the character is so fully realized yeah i I've, I've been watching it on i had watched it on a laptop screen and when she was on i was like i need to experience this on the biggest screen uh possible because um she, she's really like unreal yeah. She has a line to um, to Stacy Keach the the second scene in the bar where she goes, "You're the only son of a bitch worth shit in this place." <laughs> Just like <laughs> I was like, if Susan Susan Tyrell ever said that to me, I would like that would be on my tombstone. That would I would I would. I might just like I might just have to retire and move into the the woods because it, it doesn't get better. It does not get better in human civilization than Susan Tyrell telling you you're the only son of a bitch worth shit in this place. Oh, it's so good! Oh my gosh! And just the two of them like looking so, <laughs> looking so rough and so like huh. sad. That so then young Jeff Bridges playing this like eighteen year old up and coming guy. He's so. He's so bright and hopeful in those early yeah. scenes. To see him slowly get ground down throughout the movie is, oh, it's rough. It's rough to watch. It's rough. And I, I have a confession to make about Jeff, or young Jeff Bridges, which is, and I don't mean this in, in, in any way. I would never say anything like this about his physical appearance is actually the way he looks. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about his like physicality as mm. a young actor right. is repulsive to me and I I don't it's this movie there's a a Bob Rafelson movie called Stay Hungry that's really bizarre that he kind of plays a slightly similar character in Um, and there's something about he just gives me he can't hide he just has like rich kid vibes to me and he can't hide it and there's like there's just this bouncy like over eager bouncy like I can do no wrong like of course I was cast in this movie kind of vibe to him and I just like 
and I can't. I know. He, I know he is like a legend, and we all love Jeff Bridges, <laughs> yeah. I guess. And like, but like the young, the young Jeff Bridges for me, I'm just like anybody else, <laughs> anybody else in this role. But that's just I don't know what it is. Something about him. Something about young Jeff Bridges rubs me the wrong way. That's so uh, funny. You're absolutely Similar. correct. Yeah. <laughs> The last picture show, I do not care for him in that movie, but I really like how that affect works in this movie because as a point of contrast with Stacey Keach, like their physicality, like there's like a sort of like looseness, I guess, to Jeff Bridges or something like that. He he feels so it's like the John Mulaney joke where he's like, I'm open like a rag doll. Like that's kind of how he feels because it's like, what does he have to worry about? Yeah, not a care in the world. So sort of like tightly tightly in because like he yeah. feels like he knows like something's gonna fall apart at any minute you know oh. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah that's a great point that it, it does work better because that that other movie stay hungry he actually plays like he plays like a rich like kid mm. like in, inheriting much of money so it, it, it it's a little more like um you know a to b but like yeah. i think you're right this movie creates a context where it kind of works better and like that first scene, because you think he's all the managers are telling him he's Gray's the next big thing. He's going to be this big boxer, mm-hmm. and that first match he gets in is shot so interestingly, where you like you see him at the same time the manager does when he it's like a flurry of punches. You don't know what's happening, and he turns around and his face is just covered in blood, and he looks <laughs> like he just got hit by a car. He's so confused, and the manager is seeing it for the first time that we are, and the manager is like shocked. And I'm like, the, yeah. if the man, if the boxing manager is shocked by what he's seeing, I guess I'm I'm should be you know I'm rightfully shocked as well and he's everybody is just like oh I guess he we were wrong about this guy it's kind of like the is like the, the the consensus everyone comes to at the same time um so there there he he takes his lumps a little bit more and I think that makes that that does make his whole vibe kind of work better um uh uh but yeah I don't know young Jeff Bridges is is a rough pill to swallow for me <laughs> And that, like, when he first gets his face fucked up, I mean, that's such a great turning point for him, I think. Cause, and I think that that's when you start to see some more interesting shading to him as an actor. Because afterwards, they've got that exchange with the manager where he's like, Kid, I got my nose broken. Look at this. You'd never guess it, would you? And he's like, yeah, you would. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> his whole is, like, completely shifted by that yeah. point. Because yeah. he suddenly realizes, like, oh, this fucking sucks, and now I've signed up to do this. <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, he he is maybe the least depressing of the characters in terms of, like, how their lives are going, and yet his is still so shitty. It's like, yeah. he gets stuck in this, like, boxing world. He knocks up this girl. He doesn't really want to marry her, but he does it because he's, like, a decent guy. It's yeah, it like some it's so interesting in this movie that it just seems like they are all like stuck. There's no yeah. it's there's yeah. no possible like route of escape for them, you know? Yeah, like the best bet in this world, I guess, is Jeff Bridges, which is just to kind of like sell out and be basic is kind of like the route he takes, you know, which is like I guess you get stability and he has a family to support and all that, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, all all of the all of the romanticism of his life is gone at that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really, he's really just, he's driving out of, out of town to do boxing matches, driving back home, you know, yeah. you know, he doesn't, he can't go to the, he's not going to go to the bar with, with Stacy Keach. They're just going to grab coffee. Like, like, you know, it, like, yeah. you know, that's kind of the best, I guess the best you can hope for is just mm-hmm. sort of middle of the road. Yeah. It's like they, ne- none of these characters ever get a sort of moment of glory. Cause even when, uh, Jeff Bridges and Stacy Keach first meet in the beginning. Uh, you know, he says to Stacy Keach, like, 
oh yeah, I remember seeing you fight. I saw you fight so and so or whatever. And Stacy Keach goes, Did I win? He goes, No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't even get to live yeah. in his past glory. It's like even yeah. his the supposed glory, he was still losing. <laughs> there's just no win there (laughs) so brett like of movies of this era like what are some other performances that you think have this same kind of appeal that like stacy keach has this because he's got something very specific and i think very specific to the era yeah i i love this type of performance i loved Mm -hmm. a good i you know i said before kind of like doomed masculinity like a very like 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 a a masculinity that is simultaneously like traditional but very very wounded and kind of tragic at the same time. Um, I compare, I mean, I think of, um, you know, I guess like Gene Hackman performances of this era, like mm. Night Moves um, kind of comes to mind. Um, yeah. And um, and then sort of outside of this era, you know, I, I, he reminds me a lot of like a Robert Mitchum or a Ray Liotta. I guess Ray, Ray Liotta is a little more kind of manic and, and twitchy here, but, the, but, but they, they kind of, to me, like emote, the same thing which is which mm. is that like that that sort of you know tragic masculinity uh, like you know a masculinity that kind of wants to be better than itself but is but is sort of trapped by 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 this or by that mm. um and and um and then it's just sort of a, a slow tragic descent and you're hoping for yeah. you know the best is like maybe maybe one little glimpse of glory at some point but otherwise it's going to yeah. be kind of you know a downward slide from start to finish um uh and I and, and yeah, I particularly I was I was like, like when Ray Liotta died, it like hit me really hard, like really more than kind of a lot of the other actor deaths we've had, because I feel like he was on such he had found such a great like late career niche of really yeah. digging into that that specific style of acting of this sort yeah. of yeah of 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 um that just wounded kind of tragic masculinity, like he really um uh um what's the one um. Oh, yeah, Brad, think, Brad Pitt was the hitman. Um, oh, uh, killing him softly. Kill, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is for me kind of up or down movie, but he's fantastic in it. And also like that the Sopranos movie, which was not great. Yeah, he's he's, he's really really good in it, playing two roles, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I felt like he had really found something there, uh, and would have loved to get a couple more couple more of those performances. But uh, yeah, I was reminded kind of yeah, but really to Robert Mitchum. Maybe Gene yeah. Hackman kind of kind of vibe. Yeah. What, what about you guys? Does, does this feel like reminiscent of any of anything else? I actually. So th- this is going to sound like an insult, but I actually mean this as a compliment towards Stacy Keach. He is not a star. Like he he's a great actor. He's not a movie star, and I think this movie works in a way that it wouldn't work with Brando because mm-hmm. he's not a star. Similarly to how I think Sorcerer works with. Roy mm. Scheider mm. in a way that it wouldn't have worked if it had been um what's his name uh Bullet who was supposed to be in it um, Steve McQueen yeah 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 McQueen McQueen is yeah. supposed to be in Sorcerer I don't think that movie works if you've got a big star like that I think you need someone who feels like a person so I mean he he's definitely in that sort of like Roy Scheider camp for me where mm. they are brilliant actors but they can absorb themselves into the movie rather than dominating the movie you know that's a great call. Yeah. Yeah. Cause all, all the people I mentioned have a little extra little 
little mm. big big screen a list kind of vibe but you're yeah. right you really yeah stacy keach has, has has more yeah more of a character actor vibe he's really kind of in between almost he's sort of like yeah. stuck right in between um but you're right not quite there's just whatever that thing is and look god bless him for it because it gives us i think you know it, that's what gives us this performance and gives us yeah. this movie um is it's not someone who sort of there's no one who transcends the movie in this movie. Mm -hmm. Everyone is like in the world of the movie. Um, um, and that in-between thing is a good point. Cause I do think he is like incredibly charismatic. And I think that that's part of like his appeal in this role is that like he's sexy and he's funny and he's nice and he's charismatic. And there are like lots of things going for him. He just can't stop being a fuck up, but, but he's not so charismatic that like, it feels like he is the movie. Mm -hmm. He's part of the movie, you know? Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Michael? Um, this made me think of, I had to write down my thoughts. Uh, um, this made me think of Michael Shannon, um, mm. in, yeah. uh, Frankie and Johnny. Um, uh, so he did like a production a couple years back that he was incredible in. Um, and he plays, uh, an ex-con who's recently, you know, just got out of prison and he got into a one night, uh, one night stand and he's trying to make it work with this girl who like doesn't really give a shit about him. Um, <laughs> But it's uh, like an early '80s uh, comedy uh, drama, and uh, yeah, it just captures uh, uh, a kind of like casual disappointment that's not like overdoing it. Um, and then the other performance that I thought of was Robert Duvall in uh, *Tender Mercies*, uh, which is another movie about uh, a broken man trying to start over. Um, I love both of these, um, especially Tender Mercies. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm probably going to rewatch that one uh, after this to really. <laughs> yeah, those, uh, those, are great, those are great. Those are great comparisons. Yeah. 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 I would even say Robert Duvall a little bit in Godfather, I think, because that sort of like utility kind of performance that he has in that, you know, like he he's so moving in it, but he doesn't. He doesn't overtake the picture or try to overtake the picture in the way that like a Pacino or a Khan does. Like he's he's so much more understated in a way that I find very moving. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of, I think, my favorite like category of actor. Those like they've got enough charisma that they can star in a movie, but they're not necessarily right. movie stars. Like yeah. I think that like yeah. Brad Dourif is another one of those that like, yeah, mm. those are always a little bit more interesting to me, I think, than the like the big the big personalities. But yeah, I think Susan Tyrell probably is also in kind of in that world. Yeah. And it's so to interesting to compare, you know, to think of this in its time period, because we don't really like talk about John Houston in the context of new Hollywood, but I feel like he mm. was, I feel like he should be talked about. I mean, I understand that he was, you know, he did the Maltese Falcon and whatever else and was like, and you know, had this like golden age Hollywood career, but like he's doing the same thing that all those other new Hollywood directors are doing here. And in, in terms yeah. of like, you know, the, the, like, you know, more kind of realistic storytelling character driven approach to like the whole, mm. uh, you know, to, to, to movies. So I like, yeah, I feel like late career Houston deserves to be mentioned with, with, you know, your, whoever Bogdanovich and Scorsese and all, and Coppola and all those yeah. guys. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think like technically I, I think if you didn't know that it was, directed by John Huston, you would never guess that it, this was like an old man's project or someone from like a different era. I think that where that kind of comes through is in that sort of like fatalism of it. Like it does feel like someone whose life is kind of winding down, especially a guy who like 
easily could have ended up having a life like these people the number of times he completely like fucks shit up and he just uh by the grace of god and grace of money and grace of being a you know a famous uh man in uh in hollywood you know somehow continued to have a pretty cush life um, but you know he easily could have and probably deserved to have had a bit more uh consequence to some of the the stuff that he did yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I sometimes will, you know, reading like Hollywood trivia on, you know, various places online. will like try to make a lot of these like old Hollywood stories sound like so cute and fun and crazy. Like these yeah. people were nuts. And it's like these people were nuts, but not in like a cute way. <laughs> like Most of them were like psychopaths. <laughs> I recently I recently read two. I recently read this. It was like a biography of of um, uh, Oliver Reed, Richard Burton, uh, Richard Harris, oh, Lord. And, and Peter O'Toole. And it was called like Hellraisers or something. <laughs> and this, uh, the biographer, the biographer started out, he was like, so, he was trying to make these guys seem like the coolest guys on the face of the earth. And then you can just see him like lose confidence in himself <laughs> as he's writing. Cause he's like, he's telling about their horrible childhoods and their like yeah. alcoholic marriages and all this stuff. And you like the, 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 like the language just slowly shifts and you can see this guy just being like, Ah, this isn't this isn't as cool as I thought it was. Like this, this oh, these yeah. guys are these guys are disasters. <laughs> so depressing. Oh my God. Like I did learned relatively recently, I didn't know that like uh, Richard Burton like paralyzed his brother when they got into like a drunken brawl, and it was like, oh my God! Like we we <laughs> were like, oh my God, the romance of Burton and Taylor, and it's like I don't know. It's Maniacs. No, the same. I recently, I also reread um, Easy Rider's Raging Bulls recently, and yeah. like, and oh my god, like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, all of them. But I was like, I was like, I was like, Dennis Hopper was like almost Charles Manson. Like literally, yeah. like one thing, like one thing goes differently, and Hopper is a hundred percent Charles Manson. Oh like, my god, uh, it is like not like it, it's not just like ah, oh, they got drunk and uh, stayed out too late. These guys were m- violent like maniacs, and it is oh. like shocking to read some of these stories. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, I remember getting into like Herzog's movies when I was a kid and then finally, you know, <laughs> learning, uh, you know, a bit more about behind the scenes, like, you know, Kinski and uh, using his daughter and like yep. and that man was genuinely like not just like, a, you know, someone who could get away with doing bad things because he was famous. He was genuinely like insane. Like that was insane. a mentally unwell man. Like, yeah, he went like he. um do you know about this Nosferatu in Venice movie that Kinski made where he like, no. so he was in Herzog's Nosferatu and then he decided that he wanted to make a sequel called Nosferatu in Venice <laughs> just because he wanted to take a vacation to Venice and needed a reason to do so and somebody else to pay for it. And Herzog was like, I don't, I don't want to do that. That sounds bad. And so, so, so Kinski like self, like, like on his own, like got funding and got a film crew to Venice and made a movie called Nosferatu in, in Venice, which is almost impossible to find, which is like, and he didn't, but he also refused to p- get in the Nosferatu makeup. So it's just Kinski like running around Venice and being like, I'm Nosferatu, ooh, spooky, I'm Nosferatu. And like, <laughs> What? And then ah, what? it is like I know it's absolutely crazy but then like this is the dark part of course because like like with every Kinski story you're like ah that's like funny crazy and then yeah. and then you find out that he was like abusing the actress on set and then Jesus. she has like all these issues come out of it and like was you know lawsuits and this and that and like oh and God. like and it's just like man these guys are like actual maniacs like they like it's yeah. like it's like you know it's like there's the like part of the story that's like fun and, and crazy and yeah. then there's like the part of the story that's like crazy crazy and yeah there's and always how, bo- both things going on yeah and how like just normal Ugh. it is because i mean i i don't think yeah. wells did anything like 
too 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 crazy but like even just the casual way he'll talk about things in that book my lunches with orson like towards the end there's a part that like people love to like screenshot that book and like tweet about it and stuff like when he's like ragging on woody allen and stuff and just being you know witty and fun Mm. he's got like a weird bit towards the end where he's talking about like a like 13 year old actress that he was working with and he's like i couldn't sit around that one too long i've got a little bit of that thing that your friend roman's got (laughs) and then henry yaglin like quickly changes the subject yeah yeah. he's like so uh tell me about your uh other movie that you're working on orson (laughs) it's like yikes (laughs) yikes yeah uh hollywood beautiful hollywood <laughs> beautiful place wow. <laughs> oh motherfuckers well, wow <laughs> uh, on a lighter note <laughs> we like to and <laughs> this show uh try to come up with a a dream pairing with the movie that we're talking about and this could be what you would like to watch in a double bill a movie that you would recommend to someone who likes this movie a movie that you think contrasts nicely it's all up to your interpretation Michael, would you like to start out with your pairing? Uh, so my one and only pairing with this movie is uh, Lenny Cook, uh, the documentary by the Safdie brothers. Um, it's about Lenny Cook, who is a Bushwick native. Uh, he was one of the top ranked basketball players. He expected to be included in the 2002 draft, uh, but he went unselected. And uh, Lamar, uh, God, uh, God. Uh, LeBron James, Jesus. I don't watch sports. Um, uh, I was going to say Lamar Odom. Um, (laughs) It's like he doesn't play sports. Um, But yeah, LeBron James pretty much has Lenny Cook's career um, for the most part. Um, And the movie, the documentary kind of follows his life. And uh, it's, I watched it thinking it was going to be like a, oh man, like a cautionary tale. But it's actually, uh, just middle of the road, similar to how I felt at the end of Fat City. It was just like, ah, I guess uh, that's that's life. And you move on and, you know, it can destroy, you can let it destroy you or you can, you know, persist. Um, and that was one of the things I, I really liked about Fat City um, and something I really, really love uh, about this one. Um, no one ever has seen it whenever I asked. Have, have either of you seen it? Mm-mm. I, I've really been wanting to watch it. That's, that's a great uh, call. Um, yeah, I, I haven't been able to find it, but I really, really want to watch it. Uh, whenever it's on, it's it's usually on Criterion every mm-hmm. once in a while, and I'll be like, hey, everybody watch this. <laughs> but um, and if I could, too, uh, I know one of the Safdie's favorite movies, they always bring this up when they're asked for like top five, top ten movies um, that would also work well here is a Requiem for a Heavyweight, which is a little more um, of, a, of a spot-on pairing, um, but yeah. um, similar kind of like sort of sad, tragic boxing movie. Uh, Anthony Quinn, Jackie Gleason yeah. uh, came out in, in 1962. Um, uh, and actually has, I think, Muhammad Ali's actually in it. Um, oh, really? Uh, yeah. in, in, in a small role. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, a little more spot on of a pairing, but um, yeah, it'd be good as well. Ooh, cool. this is a good one. Well, speaking of, Brett, what would you pair with Fat City? Uh, I guess I well I guess Requiem for a Heavyweight was what I was thinking, but I, but I uh, it's it's a little it's a little hat on a hat um, if you know um, but um, um, maybe like Wanda might be a good pairing Ooh, with this kind cool. of like if you want to stay kind of you know off the grid um, the struggles of of people in the working class parts of 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 um, the country. Um, let me. I haven't seen Wanda for a while, but that was the first thing that came to mind. The Barbara yeah. Loden movie. Um, Is that seventy um, one? 
uh, I'm seeing 1970. Yeah, so ba- same time period, kind of coal country in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I don't remember if it's actually shot in real time, but it feels like it's kind of in real time yeah. um, of a of of you know kind of a slice of life of a woman kind of living on the edges of this like coal town in in. Um, Pennsylvania, but um, Barbara Loden, um, who was a, a great actor, uh, wrote and directed it, um, and uh, it's really just a stunning, just very naturalistic uh, slice of life kind of movie. Um, and um, there's a little bit of a like crime kind of goes on the lamb with it's like it's like a like a very like low stakes Bonnie and Clyde sort of thing goes on <laughs> in, in it too um but sort of accidentally and with no forethought or anything so um yeah so I, I would say vibe wise if you liked this um uh um yeah uh, Barbara Loden's Wanda that's great yeah, yeah this this one is a hundred percent uh mm-hmm. being watched this weekend um it's so good. Yeah, I don't know shit about Barbara Loden, so I. This is very sexist, but she's often referred to as like the female Cassavetes. Um, yeah, uh, I... which you know, I think that could be <laughs> easily switched around, but like, but but def- but just as a reference point, that's kind of like her kind of vibe mm-hmm. and you know aesthetic. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah, and mine are uh, pairings that would be sort of like opposites of fat city um that have sort of some like superficial similarities but things seem to just work out for the protagonists in these movies um yeah these are underachievers uh fuck-ups um people who are on a lot of substances uh but somehow things seem to go pretty well for them so one would be another jeff bridges classic the big lebowski uh another california movie um (laughs) so yeah the dude i think is kind of a uh sort of inverted uh version of stacy keach's character in that he's also underemployed often drunk um yeah a bit of a fuck up but he's just kind of going along man you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) and um the other one is uh getting more into sort of like the class and like economic aspects of the movie as harmony crin's the beach bum which is one of my favorite movies (laughs) i love the beach bum I fucking love the beach bum. Um, and they are similar characters in many ways. Always drunk, um, you know, just kind of constantly fucking up, fucking up things for the people around them. But, you know, Stacey Keach's character is poor. So his life uh, tends to get harder and harder and harder the more he does this. And Matthew McConaughey is very rich in the beach bum. So his life is awesome. So... <laughs> He, you know, he, his wife dies, he gets sent to rehab, but he just keeps drinking and writing his poems and having a pretty grand time. So it's the funniest part of that movie to me is just like the endless amount of money at his disposal through the entire movie is so funny. And also RIP to Jimmy Buffett as well, who has a little, has yes. a, little who has a, a cameo oh, yeah. in, in the beach bum. Uh, that's that, those are amazing choices. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> well, we're getting low on time, but of course we always like to play a game before we go. We're keeping it classic this week uh, with a fuck, Mary kill. The topic of this fuck Mary kill is depressing boxing movies. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so we will be deciding who we're gonna fuck, who we're gonna marry, and who we're gonna kill between Tully, Stacy Keach's character in Fat City, Maggie, Hillary Swing's character in Million Dollar Baby, and Jake LaMotta, De Niro's character in Raging Bull. My Michael, God, kick it off. <laughs> My God, what I what? <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. First off, I'm going to say, look, there are no right answers for this lineup. Um, there are absolutely none. Uh, so everything that I say is going to be wrong. And everything that everyone says is going to be wrong. Um, so I am going to... I'm gonna kill. Uh, I'm gonna kill Jake Lamada. That's easy. <laughs> I'm gonna kill Jake Lamada. I I would be very scared of him in a long term capacity, and I would be scared of him uh, having sex. Um, I am going to marry Maggie from Million Dollar Baby. Um, that feels right. Um, and then yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck Stacy Keach. Um. I yeah that that's actually pretty easy. <laughs> Let me take that back. That's, that's actually pretty easy. It wasn't hard at all. <laughs> yeah. All right, ben. how about you? Um, well, if I remember Billion Dollar Baby correctly, she yeah. wants to die. So yeah. I think she. So I feel like I have to kill Maggie as a mercy yeah. for yeah. her. <laughs> So I, it feels like, be like, if I'm like, if she's like, please kill me. And I'm like, nope, wedding bells, baby, we're getting married. She'd be like, oh no. Um, so, so I think I've got to kill Maggie. Um, uh, and oh boy, now this gets really tricky. Um, I mean, I would love to. I would. My my gut is definitely like fuck Stacy Keach, but that means I gotta marry Jake Lamotta. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't marry Jake Lamotta. Money for a while, Jake does. So yeah. Oh, but he's oh. get that prenup. That whole. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I guess. I just. I guess. I just marry Jake Lamotta. Oh no! Count the, day, count the days. Count the days until I can, you know, run off to Reno and get a divorce. I mean, I, I, I don't like, like, but then you gotta, then you're watching, you're watching over your shoulder the rest of your life. I don't yeah. know. This is bad. This is bad. Um, maybe, you know what? Here's what I would do I would marry Jake LaMotta. I would, I am forgetting the plot of Raging Bull, but I would actually fuck Joe Pesci and then I would, uh. I would fingers crossed hope Joe Pesci and um, Robert De Niro kill each other. Um, you know, in the, like the fuck my, fuck my wife scene. Raging Does that Bull? kind of happen? Ben yeah. I, I, I'm kind of trying to remember the actual plot. Um, <laughs> but I would try to, I would try to pit them against each other. Okay. They sort of, sort of. <laughs> like they both kill each other in some sort of violent mm. duel and then like. i'm left with the with the all the lamada money uh which hopefully there's there's enough left at that point mm. um so that would be it's really we need to we need to add some other letters to fmk i think yeah. for, for this one but uh, uh there should yeah. be yeah okay <laughs> what do you add for by fucking joe pesci and lamada <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Your logic is sound there, Brad. Okay, <laughs> I'm mine is similar, but I'm gonna have to flip a couple. Mm. Unfortunately, I will have to kill Maggie. It is a mercy killing. <laughs> I was yeah. um which I know that is problematic, and I know that that is ableist, and I know that this film is problematic for many reasons. That said, when I was a teenager and first saw that, I have forever since been haunted by when she bites off her own tongue to try own to bleed tongue. to death. Yeah. <gasps> 
Yeah. So yeah, Maggie, I got you, Maggie. I'm gonna, I'll be your Clint. <laughs> um, but then we're gonna flip the fucking and the marrying. I'm going to fuck Jake Lamada. I'm gonna stipulate though, this is young Jake Lamada because mm-hmm. I could put up with a lot for how De Niro looks in those early scenes. If you're that (laughs) I could put up with some personality flaws, I think. (laughs) And then I'm going to marry Stacey Keach. Because listen, I think he's got a good heart and I think I could turn him around. You can, you you can, you can, you can change him. Yeah. You can, I can try that guy out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this was a very fun game of fuck, Mary kill. And I think we all won. We are all winners here, <laughs> except for all the characters yeah. <laughs> that we're yeah. fucking they, None of them are winning, unfortunately. Oh, I'm so glad we left Rocky out of this. Um, yes. <laughs> Rocky's, Rocky's too pure. We can't. <laughs> I wouldn't call Adrian like that. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Brett, this was so, so fun. This was Thank great. You for and oh, thanks so much have, for having me yeah of course do you have anything you want to promote and like where can people follow you on social media yeah sure you can follow me uh on social at uh b-r-e-y-y-y-a-t-t-t um <laughs> and you can uh i i would love it if you if you checked out some podcasts on the forever dog podcast network we've got a double threat with tom sharpling and julie klausner we've got the best show tom sharpling's long running uh, comedy podcast, uh, Office Hours Live with Tim Heidecker. Uh, so a lot of fun stuff on there for for comedy fans. Um, and uh, I am doing a, a a monthly movie watch along on the Double Threat Patreon. Uh, I don't expect if you're new to the show, I don't expect you to shill out ten bucks a month to, to, to get behind the paywall right away. Uh, but but listen to Double Threat. And if you like what you're hearing, there's a lot more stuff on the Double Threat Patreon. It's a lot of fun. Um, but thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Amazing. And Michael, where can people follow us and what should the listeners do? Y'all can follow us on all socials at everyone is hot pod. That's every number one is hot pod. And remember to stay horny. (laughs) Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 